Every single day, people take unwanted or unused items to thrift in antique stores across the country. But as the saying goes, one man's trash is another man's treasure, and we are here to prove it. We are here to help you identify valuable things before you throw them away. Join us as we show and tell of treasures found and sold by a full-time reseller with the hopes of helping you find some treasures of your own. Welcome to the What's Sold Podcast. Welcome back to the What's Sold Podcast. As usual, my name is Brandon. I'm with my good... Wait, there is a special guest with us today. Oh, uh, Matt hi. Rock couldn't be here, so we invited uh, a special guest. Rusty, the reseller, is on How with us cheap. today. He's got a special Bass Pro Shop hat, his crazy glass. Those glasses look like what? you bought them at a, at a, at a uh, Chucky's truck stop. I'm just pitballing here, but they look they're pretty fancy, Rusty. Yeah, well, you know, uh, sometimes when you're out like uh, an outdoor concert, this is nice. Uh, you could be fishing, uh, just doing whatever you'd like to do. But for me, you know, I'm out hunting, trying to find a, a deal here and there, make a buck or two. And it's nice to have my my shades just to keep that glare from the indoor lights from really affecting your eyes and uh, that sort of thing. But uh, Well, you are a very handsome man, Rusty. I imagine that when you go into these uh, antique stores, they just don't know what to do with you. They do not. In in a way, it's nice because they leave me alone. I don't have to. They don't bother me. Actually, it's fine. I get into nice conversations with people all the time. As a matter of fact, it's a little bit disarming the way I look. And that has, uh, you know, that's worked to my advantage more than well, one time. That's nice. I wonder, does squirrel hunting season ever get in the way of your uh, shopping for treasures? Not at all, because I'm a good shot. You know, I, I don't <laughs> know. I can't remember what the limit is, the daily limit, eight or 10, but you know, shoot, give me an hour. Those are done. I got them cleaned <laughs> and flows ready to prepare them for the family in the evening time. Oh, so it's nice. that's, that's good living right there, Rusty. Well, <laughs> thank you for joining us today, Rusty. Of course, uh, of and we're gonna, I'm going to ask uh, Matt to come back in with us and okay. show yeah, us no some problem. treasures from this week. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it's great to be here. Still finding treasures, still selling them, paying the bills the best I can. So I would love to talk about tools today. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, t- I love tools. Good. That's going to be a good you one. Any, you got any tools at the house? I, I do have lots. To- I am I am a guy that loves... There's two things that I love most in life. One is tech gear. I like to buy a lot of tech gear and spend way too much money on it. And the other thing is good <laughs> tools. I'm a firm believer in having really good tools. And I also love the look of antique tools. So I don't collect them, but I nice. love the look of them. Yeah. Well, because a lot of them have really good materials, you say, you know, really good tools. And I think one of the reasons that collectors really like vintage tools, partly the way that it looks, but the steel that like the quality of the steel, the quality of the workmanship on these is so solid and so good that this could be an 80, 100 year old tool. And it still works as well, if not better than a tool you could go out to Ace Hardware or a place like that and buy today. So People will hunt for these things because, listen, it's lasted that long. It's probably going to outlast us. It was made very, very well. There is a guy here in Western North Carolina, in Asheville, North Carolina, who is a carpenter, a craftsman, and he he makes furniture using only antique tools. It's amazing. His work is yeah. beautiful. I actually got a chance to go look at his shop, and, and I was like, wait, wow. he, he like literally hand lays and all that stuff. So there are people out there that are that are using these tools for what they were designed for, actually building things. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, depending, sometimes you can find ones uh, that fit this bill for for good prices. And if you're going to use them, that's especially great. 
because they'll last you a really long time. But for my purposes, for example, I'm looking for ones that I know have value because I've already sold them in the past or I've, I've seen them and seen prices that people are asking for them. And so that's what we'll talk about today. I'm going to start off by showing you, I'm not going to show you an exact item that sold, but I'm going to show you ones that are almost identical in a lot of ways to ones, several that I've sold recently. Um, I went out to an estate sale last month in Tennessee. I live in Western North Carolina. Um, I've been thinking about going up to this area for a while to source, but it's a little bit of a drive, hour, hour and 15 minutes. I've been kind of following an estate sale company up there. I saw one come up, seemed like there was going to be a lot of tools and other cool things. So I thought, you know what, I'll do it. And I'm so glad that I did. I left there with over a hundred tools. I paid $125 for everything. I also came away with a very large wooden machinist's tool chest from the 1800s. I paid $125 for that. It's probably a four or $500 chest. And among those are things like this that I'm going to hold up and show. And what I'm showing you are essentially just like little ratchet ratchets for um, sockets. Yeah, you could, socket. You know, screw. Yeah, a socket ratchet. And these are all vintage ones, anywhere from 50 years old to probably 70 years old. I've got brands like Stanley, uh, mm -hmm. SK, Craftsman. I have a couple others here, which are lesser known brands. One says Bonnie, B O N N E Y. Uh, it's made in the US. Thorson. These are all various lengths. But they all serve this and, and, and slightly different designs. As you can see, some of them have more of a textured handle, others don't. And they also fit different sizes of sockets, whether they're uh, metric or standard. But the point is, I got these in this tool lot. And based on the pricing I told you, I was spending just about a dollar. And this isn't the only place that you can find deals like that, other thrift stores and things as well. I find that I almost never have to sell one for less than $20. So they're $20 to $25 a piece. Almost doesn't matter the, the brand. If I wait three months, they're all going to sell. And so right here, I've shown you about five different ones. And this represented about 5 or $6 of cost to me, but it's going to translate to 100 or more dollars in sales. Wow. And these are things you can find around you, pawn shops, estate sales, antique stores, Man, it's starting to get warmer weather here already, even though it's February. But I'm telling you, in March and April, when those yard sales start to pop, you can buy whole tool boxes and things full of tools like this, and they only want $10 or $15. And you look in there, and you're like, I see a $30 tool, just one tool. And that happens all the time. I'll buy a large lot. I'll sell one tool out of it for all the money. In fact, this lot that I paid $125 for, I've already sold probably four or five different tools from it that brought me all my money back, just the one tool. And wow. case in point, I'm going to show you one of those that just sold. I haven't shipped it yet, but uh, I need to ship it today or tomorrow. And it's this hand plane. Talk about the cool look. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Of these old beautiful. tools, like you were saying. It's got two wooden handles on either side, and it is a hand planer. So it it's this metal, like this heavy metal base that has a blade that fits down on the top of it, screws in place, and you can adjust the depths of that. And you would just run it with your two hands. You would run it forwards and backwards, and you would be shaving pieces of wood off little bit by little bit. This is, a, the brand is Stanley, which is a collectible brand. It's been around for a long time. And the cool thing about Stanley, among others, but Stanley specifically, 
they put numbers, model numbers on these things a lot of times. And this one is the Stanley number 12. So it makes it easy for me, right? If I'm out in someone's garage picking through stuff, I'm like, oh, a Stanley hand plane number 12. Look that up in Google, look that up in eBay. Oh, these are selling for $150, $175, $200. So this particular one, I sold for $150. So this one tool out of those 100 tools paid not only all of my cost back, but now I'm into profit already just with the one tool. This is even like not even in pristine condition. It's definitely being cleaned and things. Sometimes I do that. Sometimes it's not really worth my time. I know I'm going to sell it for good money regardless. And if I think so, then I don't mess with it. If it doesn't sell, then I'm like, well, maybe I need to clean it up. Well, and the other part of it too is that the, those tools were built in such a way that they lasted. So, so yes. they're in, you know, you can, you can literally still use these tools because if you go buy a Stanley socket set today, they're not made, they're not casted and made in factories like they were a hundred years ago. They're made in China sure. or wherever. So they're just a different yep. quality of the metal and everything. So yeah, that's pretty cool. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really neat to see. I mean, this particular person had so many tools. It was more tools than I'd ever seen at one person's home. And this was, you know, one of those estate sales where the 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 owners of the home had passed away and either they didn't have family or the family didn't want the items. And so they opted to sell them all out. Here's another type of a hand plane, uh, a scraper type of a plane. It's also a Stanley brand. It also has handles on either side, but it's solid metal. Again, you have a blade that is connected on the back that can be lowered or raised. And this is what they would call like a cabinet uh, shaver. Again, same same um, way that you do it. You'd hold on either side and you push one way or another, and you would you know slowly shave away to get like a flat surface or even a curved surface. They've got different types. This is a type of tool that's going to sell for thirty or forty dollars, and a lot of the ones I have will sell between twenty and forty dollars. It just depends on if you want to sell it quickly, you lower the price a little bit. If you get the full uh, value, put it up and you sit and wait. Um, but all of these things, I I bought two years ago. I bought a lot uh, of tools and I couldn't even see it all. It was on Facebook Marketplace. I show up, it turns out it was a storage unit that someone failed to pay for and they couldn't get them to pay or they couldn't contact them. So they just needed to sell. And same situation there. I think I paid $200 for that and I sold two or three tools out of hundreds, paid for everything. Some little, even just like little hand pliers. There's a brand called Klein, K-L-E-I-N, mm-hmm. that does made something called lineman's pliers. And it actually has a little logo of a, a man on a power line, you know, working on the electrical lines. But certain old ones of those can sell for hundreds of dollars for one little hand, one little pair of hand pliers. So it it does uh, pay to know brands, but again. You don't have to be an expert going out looking for this stuff. You pick something up, you take a picture of it, you look at it in Google or in eBay, or you just search for the brand. A lot of times these tools, like I said, have model numbers on them. And that makes it super look up those model numbers. And you'll be surprised. Very commonly, you come across tools, you know, two, three, five dollars that sell for twenty, thirty, fifty dollars a piece. Yeah. And it's funny, you just you were saying that the client tool. I worked uh, for an electrician years and years ago, right when I got out of college. And he was a collector of antique tools, of electrical tools. And one of the, the that Klein tool you're talking about was sort of, it was ubiquitous. Like it was just every right. electrician used one, but they didn't make them anymore. And he just really loved the look of them. And as mm-hmm. an electrician himself, he, he had this little like display in his office, in his little 
workroom of these antique tools. So my only point to saying that is you don't know who the collector is going to be. And what's valuable to somebody else, you might say, oh, why would you do that? Well, there are people that will pay for that. So keep that in mind when you're looking at this stuff and doing research on this stuff. Someone out there wants to buy this. That's an excellent point. I mean, there's people like yourself who would buy a tool because you want to use it. There are people who buy tools because like if it's a, if you're a, um, a carpenter and so you just want to, you need, you have some projects that you need a specific type of tool for. Maybe they don't make that type of tool anymore, but you know, it was made, you have to buy an older one, but there's also a big market of people buying like old hand planes that are rusted out and just really poor condition and they completely restore them, right? They, they take off the wooden handles. They, they dip them in some sort of, you know, chemical that will take the rust off. And they, and some of these people make YouTube. Have you ever watched those YouTube uh, videos of people restoring things? Oh, oh here's yeah. an old gun that they found in a lake. It's from World War, you know, World War II. We're going to take it all apart. And I mean, it's like people get really into that. And so some people do that because they just like fixing and restoring things. So you're right. There is a variety of different reasons why people might want to buy an item. And just because you look at something, you're like, I don't want that. I don't care about that. Well, there may be 10 reasons why other people would want that. Right. Absolutely. So I think the biggest thing that keeps people from looking into it is they just assume that if I don't care about it, no one else will. And you have to get over that assumption very, very quickly. And instead, it needs to be the reverse. Well, I don't care about that, but I'm sure someone does. Let me find, let me find them. Let me find who that is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great point. It was I was thinking about, we did a show on books and I, there's a series of books called Tintin or Tantan. It was by this Belgian Tintin, author. Yeah. And I love yeah. Tintin and I collect first edition Tintins and I, they're okay. really, really hard to find. And so like you might have a Tintin in your attic. Hey, you could reach out to me. I would happily talk to you about it. But well, yes, you know, Tintin they're books we bought in yeah. Belgium, like yeah. uh, a few years ago, newer, yeah. Ones, but yeah. 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 So it's just, it's the point is there are people out there for almost everything, there's a collector. And so, or people that want to use them, like you said. So always keep that in mind when you're out and about that that is something that people are looking for. Yes. And don't don't be afraid to ask. I mean, if you know people who might know, I mean, I get on the YouTube channel, it's all about education. So people will send comments and they're like, hey, you know, like, what do you think about this? And I don't mind answering these questions. I just refer them to email us, right? So that I'm not doing it on a thread, but we want to help as well as long as time allows. So feel free to ask those questions. I'm going to show you one more really cool tool. This is not sold yet. And this is one of those tools. This is one of those items where I have no reason to keep it. Okay. But it's just so cool. I have to fight keeping it. I wouldn't even use it if I kept it. Right. But here it is. I'm going to show you it's quite large. So it may be difficult to even show the whole thing in the frame. But what you're looking at is something. If you imagine the shape of the letter T, like a capital T, we'll, we'll show it like that. That's what it would be. The T part at the top would be a solid piece of wood that is a handle. And then as the line would go down the center, you're looking at a very long blade, a blade on either side. So it's double-sided blade. And at the bottom, it it terminates with another wooden handle. And it is held together with these flathead screws. Very old looking, very bizarre. Have you ever seen a tool that looks like this? No, and even the way the handle is with you've got one one vertical and one horizontal uh, wooden handle. I'm like, how do, how did they do that? Why do they do it the way they did it? So I'm looking forward to you yes. explaining why. I'd never seen one in, in person. And I, if I had seen one before, I'm sure I wouldn't have known what it was. I had to look it up when I came back and it was no easy task to actually find it because there aren't a whole lot available. But what it's called is a courier's or a tanner's knife. 
Oh. And so this is actually an antique. This is from the 1800s. And this is something that a leather worker would use. They would take a hide from an animal and they would lay it over. Let's say you have a bench and you would lay the hide down over it. You would stand up above it. You would hold on to this and you would push down and this blade would essentially scrape whatever you wanted to scrape off. And as it was, uh, I guess, a common tool to use for people who were doing leather work. Huh. But it's quite large and it's heavy. I mean, it probably weighs seven or eight pounds. It's it's just wood and metal. That's <laughs> what it is. And uh, the crazy thing is, even though this is probably at least, uh, you know, 120, 130 years old, the blades are still razor sharp. Uh, it's kind of amazing that it has with, I mean, who knows who's had this, what they've used it for since mm -hmm. then. But that's not like a common that you don't go out to Lowe's or Home Depot and buy one of these. You know, they don't produce them. So really, really cool. It was difficult. Uh, now that therein lies a little bit of the difficulty in getting the, the value. I'm hoping that I want to find a collector is going to want to buy one because I'm not expecting people will be buying this to use today for that same purpose. So few of them have sold. It's difficult for me to find what the comps are. Like what have these sold for before? What can I reasonably expect? And so in that case, what I do is I just list it for a large amount of money <laughs> I yeah. to begin with. And I just wait to see if I get any watchers or get any bites. Does anybody ask me questions? If not, then it's apparent to me that either I've got a price too high or there really isn't a market for it. And then I just keep lowering the price over time until I find somebody who wants it. And how much did you pay for that to start with? This came in that same lot of tools that I paid $125 for oh. and I've already made all my money back. So to me, I mean, I don't want to sell it for $10. It's way cooler than that. I'd put it on my wall, say, you know, for $10 and never do anything with it. It's that cool. But so then the question becomes, well, what's it worth to me? And you were talking about this earlier on previous shows. We're talking about books. There's intrinsic value with some things and there's objective value. So one book by one author to one person may not matter to them. But if it's your favorite author, then that book is way more valuable. And yeah. it's the same thing with tools. Like that's, a, that's the same tool my grandfather used to use whenever he was showing me how to do carpentry work in the garage, right? That tool is more valuable to that person than someone who just happens to know what it is, but isn't really going to use it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, it's interesting. I mean, I'm learning with our listeners just like everybody else, but it's so interesting to me as you keep talking about the stuff that so much of this is just the detective work involved in figuring this out. It's fascinating. So, I mean, it, it is the thing that makes this job so interesting to me is all the things I get to learn. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's hard. But I like challenge. You know, artwork, for example, can be very difficult to, to figure out what a piece is if it's not signed or if it's old. But if it's attractive, if it's aesthetic. If it looks like things that I know are selling for good money, there's got to be some value in it. Um, but it just takes some time to figure that out. Yeah, well, that's a good way to kind of end the show, remembering that, you know, we say that one man's trash is another man's treasure. And there's real truth to that, uh, especially Absolutely. when you're going through bins at a, a thrift a store or, or whatever, a goodwill. Yeah. yeah. So never, never underestimate what value can be right there in front of you. Well, thank you, Matt, once again, for yes. uh, sharing some of this information with us. We look forward to being back with you guys next time. Uh, remember mm -hmm. to subscribe, write a, write a uh, comment on Apple podcast or wherever you get your podcast. It's always helpful to us. Appreciative that you're here. Reach out, email us. Let us know if you have any questions. Matt loves to uh, 
to engage with people. So we look forward to yeah. it. And we'd love to thank our special guest, Rusty, uh, for coming in today, making a special guest appearance. It's always good to have Rusty on the show. Yes, yes, of course. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, you guys you guys have a great w- week and good luck. Treasure.